Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 236. All right, we're jumping right in. The first one is titled 13 Year 911 Dispatcher Chiming In. Donna, how do you say dispatcher? Dispatcher? <laughs> you say dispatcher. Dispatcher? I say dispatcher. Like you say, you say like dispatcher. I say dispatcher. Like I always say it like spatula, and you're like dispatcher. Oh, do it again. Dispatcher. <laughs> God, I love it. Okay, moving on. Hey, ladies, I literally just heard about y'all tonight, and I'm binging like crazy. I'm listening to Sinister Sightings episode 184 with a 911 dispatcher speaking. I have got to weigh in on this. I'm from a larger agency, definitely not huge, but obviously larger. And things are typically way different than what her experience is. Our minimum is two dispatchers on a shift because we're never fully staffed, but we're supposed to have three per shift. Training is not as quick as what she said, and we don't put anyone on the phone or radio for several weeks. I'm certainly not speaking about her because every agency is different, and some of what she said is true, but pocket dials don't make up 90% of our calls. I guess it's just the dispatcher in me that is silently screaming because I want to share a different perspective on what's involved in 911 dispatching. I know the chances of you reading this are small, but it's certainly worth a shot. I hope you don't take any of this the wrong way. I really just wanted to share my experiences as someone who's been doing this for a long time and who has made this their career. So far, I love y'all already, and I'm going to continue to binge this shit because I need it in my life to add to my paranormal true crime podcast obsession. I don't know where y'all are from, but I'm from Arkansas, so I'm Southern to the motherfucking core. I super hope to hear from you. Creep it weird. Correction. Idiot moment after work. Oof. Insert facepalm emoji here. It was episode number 13 nights of Halloween, the 411 on 911. I would also like to add that I spoke a little too soon before the episode was completely finished. Our agency is somewhat the same as hers. We have one or two more dispatchers, but we basically all do the same thing. We don't have call takers. We take the call and dispatch the call. She really does seem like a phenomenal person, and I will always commend anyone who has put any amount of time into dispatching because it's not easy. I mean, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's fucking hilarious, too. Our agency is a family, period. Our deputies are our brothers and our sisters. We take care of each other. Dispatch is a whole different breed of people, and they will always have a place in my heart. Hell, I'd probably die a dispatcher because it's my passion. Anywho, again, I hope I didn't come across as a complete twat. It's just me as a person. I have to throw my input in there. Dispatchers are stubborn as fuck. Thanks for letting me be weird, Carrie. I bet it really is different for someone who's in like a more rural area versus a more city area. Oh, yeah. And again, if you're in a more rural area where it's a little bit calmer and, you know, there's not as much going on... I'm sure they do, like, put you on the phones faster and all of that. Right. We would love your story since you do have a different perspective. And honestly, just putting that out there, send us y'all stories of dispatching that y'all done. Yes, absolutely. We want all of the stories. Like, your funny ones, your scary ones, anything. And you did not come across as a twat. No. Just so you know. Yeah, I, I definitely took it as, like, you were just being like, hey, this is my experience, not, like... Hers was wrong. You're just saying mine's different. Right. Hi there, the APC podcast. I'm a new listener here. Thanks for the laugh, even when your stories are really heartbreaking. You bring light to my boring world. I've been a follower for almost a half a year, and I love how you deliver the stories. You both make me laugh. 
Good day to all the APC podcast listeners. I just want to share my unforgettable and scary experience way back when I was 14 years old and in the seventh grade. Let me also apologize in advance because I'm pretty sure I have a lot of grammatical errors, but I'll try my best to tell you every bit of my story. Please stay with me till the end. I promise this is worth it. And this is a 100% true to life story. I have changed the names of the characters and me. Do you believe in spirits possessing human body or should we call it an exorcism? Well, if no, wait until you hear my story. My name is Jean. I'm 27 years old from the Philippines and currently working in the Middle East. And this is my story of encountering true to life exorcism. It was year 2007 when all of this happened. We lived in a province with my two other siblings and four male cousins. So there were a total of seven kids, two girls, five boys, plus grandma and grandpa. So total of nine in the household. Basically, we lived in our grandmother's house when both of our parents decided to work abroad, while my cousin's parents were also busy with their business in another town. First, let me describe our house and the environment to add more spookiness in the story. My grandpa and my uncle own this big farm lot surrounding our house. It's like we're in the middle of the farm with only two houses in it, and you have to walk literally 10 minutes before you reach the next neighbor. So you can imagine like a big farm with lots of farm animals, big trees, and we also have a river backside of our house and a mountain too, which is only a five minute walk from our house. And are you ready for this? We are nearby a cemetery. So at night, if you will look outside your bedroom window, you will literally see the cemetery. Me and my cousins were always traumatized by the sight of it. So we never slept in that room. We always slept in the living room because we were too scared. Our favorite thing to do every night is to tell horror stories. During the weekends, we will be watching horror movies. Then we all will be going to sleep really scared. And that was fun. By night, the farm will be really dark because there's no light post, only the moon and stars, and that gives little light to the small pathways, plus you can only hear birds and animal sounds. Fast forward when we received a call from one of our cousins who lives in Manila, the capital of the Philippines, and our province is about a seven hours drive away from that city. We were told that my cousin, Anna, is very sick, and the hospitals were not able to determine her reason of illness. My grandma decided to take care of her because she thought she might just need a bit of fresh air because the city is really populated and has worse pollution. The day comes and my very sick cousin arrived together with her older sister. We were just so shocked when we saw her. She looked very pale, thin, with big eye bags and dry lips. I also noticed that her stomach is quite big. She's only 18 years old at the time, but for me, she looks way older than her actual age. And here comes the weird shit that started showing up. We were told by her sister that before any of this happened, my cousin Anna had the worst fight with her stepmother. She claimed that she was under black magic by her evil stepmother, and we call it Kulam, which is the Philippine witchcraft or sorcery. I hope I said that correctly. They also believed that this is the main reason why the hospitals can't determine why she's sick. But I remember that she had a heart problem when she was a kid, but as per the doctor, it was completely healed and nothing to do with her present condition. There were days that my cousin Anna would feel very weak and sick, especially Tuesdays and Fridays where they believe that black magic is very powerful on those days. She would start making weird noises at night at 3 or 4 in the morning. 
One night I woke up to hear her cry and she would just stare at me while heavy breathing and her eyes looked so scary. Just remembering all of this gave me the chills. I will never forget that terrifying face because she didn't look like my cousin Anna. After two weeks since they arrived, they finally decided to look for a folk healer. In Tagalog, we call it albalero, and that's a Filipino term for witch doctor, folk healer, or medicine man. They practice folk medicine and use medicinal plants in their trade. And I'm very sorry, I know I did not say that correctly. They were able to confirm that she was under witchcraft of an old lady, which is a relative to their stepmother. They tried to speak to the evil witch after the rituals. Seeing my cousin changing the way she moved, the way she spoke, it really creeped me out because she sounded like an old woman with a very sharp voice shouting at the healer saying, I'm going to kill this girl. You can't do anything about it. And then my grandma started shouting back. It only lasted like a minute after that, and my cousin was back to normal and then would cry. We asked where she was during those times, and she said she didn't know because everything was pitch black. Okay, weird. The healer gave them a choice, and that's either to say they were sorry for everything that they did to their stepmom or to fight back, but Anna would suffer more. And of course, this bitch chose the wrong family to be messed with, so we decided to fight back. For weeks, they would start doing these weird rituals. They would burn a bunch of leaves to make smoke while saying their prayers. She was told to inhale all of the smoke, then she would get better. They will also bathe her in salt and holy water. And I forgot to mention that she was not able to poop for a month. And that explains why her stomach was so big and hard. I just can't imagine the pain she felt during those times. After each session, they would give her some medicinal oil and medicines that are plant-based. I remember one time when I saw her drinking this weird medicine that looked and felt like ash. I could just see on her face and ugh, it had to taste like shit. But I would say that it was effective because she was able to poop a little bit. After a month of seeing this healer, she slowly keeps getting better. She has an appetite and was able to sleep at night. I thought everything would be okay because she seemed much better now. Then one day, my grandma invited some Catholic church members, a bunch of old ladies, to bless our house and say, I cast away the evil spirits. They would pray and that would last like three hours. Then they would visit our rooms, sprinkling some rice with salt, shouting, we condemn the evil spirit in this household like a hundred times. And that's when I saw Anna losing her shit again. Like she would whisper some weird shit with her deadly eyes staring at the old ladies. Then she would stay quiet the whole time while the grannies were talking to her. This is when we realized that she was being possessed by that evil witch again. It's like they were watching us. And I could say it possessed her. Then every day at 6 p.m., we would gather in front of our altar to pray the rosary and read some Bible verses. There were times that we could feel that Anna was not herself again, but we would ignore and just stick to the praying. I would sit next to her the whole time since I'm next eldest next to Anna's sister, and basically I know a lot of prayers since I'm studying in a Catholic school. Yep, this is my jam. Evil spirit, bye-bye. Weeks went by and Anna was starting to feel worse again. She couldn't eat. She's back at being up all night. She would not poop again and would complain that her shoulders felt heavy and her back would hurt so much. So we bought her a sleeping chair made of wood because she could no longer sleep laying down. She has to be in a seat the whole time. 
This time, it really broke my heart seeing her like this. The healer sessions continued and the evil witch became bitchier. This time, my grandma decided to surrender and apologize to the bitch stepmom. They had a chance to speak to her by possessing Anna's sister. So now we have two possessed people in the house. What the fuck? The conversation went like this. At first, the healer tried to intimidate the witch and the bitch stepmom, but they won't back down. They say some nasty words and cuss at my grandma, and they keep saying that it's too late. It's too late. She ate the cursed food. She will die. Together with her two other siblings, I forgot to mention that they were being held by four guys because this bitch wants to bite, and she's strong as fuck. Damn, I was not able to sleep that night. I never had a nice sleep after that encounter. Fast forward when Anna became more ill, so they decided to take her back to the hospital. We would often visit her and she seemed all right there. She stayed in the hospital for more than one month and still for the same reason, they could not find a way to treat her. The healer still continued to send her medicine though, but I'm not sure if the doctor allowed her to take it. When I visited her this one time, she said that a lot of people had died in that room. The room had eight beds with patients from newborn babies to adults. She started telling stories like she saw someone died in front of her. It traumatized her, so I felt really bad for her. She was sick for more than three months, and she wasn't getting better. They decided to bring her back to Manila and transfer her into a much bigger hospital with complete facilities. The healer strongly disagreed to not bring her back to that place because he knew that would be the end of it. My grandma tried to ask them to stay. They just promised that they would come back after the doctors finally confirmed her illness. During this time, Anna is more like a vegetable state. She's conscious, but can no longer speak and in oxygen support. When they're on the way to Manila, the worst nightmare happened. She was completely comatose when they reached the hospital. And sure enough, the doctor gave the family 48 hours to decide whether she would stay in the hospital or be removed off of life support. And it broke our heart. I cried all night. I prayed and prayed that there would be a miracle. We anxiously waited for more than two days expecting for a miracle and that she would wake up. But still, she didn't. So the family decided to bid their goodbye to dear Anna. And on July 27th, 2007, she died. They arranged her wake in their family house in Manila, and she stayed there for almost two weeks. Then after that, her body was brought back to our province and also arranged the wake for a week. I was stunned when I saw her in the coffin for the first time. It didn't look like her. She looked so different. It's like I was seeing a complete stranger. When the healer came, he explained that the face we were looking at right now was her stepmom's face. She gave a really hard time and you could see that in her face she was in pain before her heart stopped. We were told after a few days, her face would be back to normal. And sure enough, just two days before her funeral, her face changed and looked exactly like Anna. I remember asking my grandma if they put makeup on her because I remember her cheeks looked like they were blushing and her lips turned pinkish color and her skin looked so much smoother like she's asleep and her lips strangely formed like she's smiling up at us. It's not creepy for me because I know she's in a better place. A lot of weird things happened even after the funeral, but I'll cut it here since this is already five pages and my eyes hurt. You can summarize the story as you wish. Let me know if you want to know more about her sister and my cousins that got possessed by bad spirits. I hope this story makes it to the listener's tale. Thank you so much, guys. I would die if you read this on your podcast. Thanks and best regards, Jean. Okay, 
one was not expecting that she was going to pass away. No, I was I was hoping for a miracle myself. Yes, I'm so sorry for your loss. I don't know how you sleep at night after seeing all of that and the fact that her face looked like the stepmom's but then like morphed back into Anna's face. I think that does kind of give you like hope that she is in a better place. Like she's at peace now. And yes, we want to hear all of the stories. That's a heartbreaking story. It was like everybody was so involved in making her better and then, but hopefully she is at peace now. Okay, the next one, prison stories. Hey ladies, I'm binging your podcast a little out of order, but I'm almost called up. I'm writing because I'm listening to episode 18 and you guys are asking about prison. I just finished my sentence and parole. I served a little over three years in federal prison for a drug conviction. I was indicted in 2017 and served my time in Texas and was released March 2021 and discharged my parole July 12th of this year. I love how you guys are understanding and ask questions. I'm wanting to let you guys know that if you have any questions about the process or anything from someone who has experienced it, feel free to ask me anything. I'm six years clean after a long battle with mental illness and addiction. I'm currently in a bachelor's program and working to be a better person every day. You guys talked about prison education. There are programs mostly vocational available. Also, few programs in women's prisons. Mostly they are available for the male population. The programs I took while incarcerated did not transfer to the free world. College courses were available, but not free. Family or friends had to fund those programs, so people who did not have outside support were not able to do these. I have plenty of prison stories that I can share. Also, have you guys covered the woman who was the pizza bomber bank robber? She was incarcerated at the same prison as me, and it's a crazy story. I hope you guys are doing great, and I love your show. Okay, no, we haven't covered the pizza bomber bank robber because that story gives me anxiety. I don't know why. Yeah, did you watch the documentary I on couldn't. It? I couldn't finish it. Like, I have, it's too much. Like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what it is about that story that stresses me out so bad. Isn't it so weird how, like, just, like, it has, like, why was that? I don't know. I think it's because they, like, thought the guy was the thing, but because, re- like, he delivered to this weird spot. And I, I don't, yeah. I don't know. And maybe it's because I used to work at a pizza place and this poor guy like took one last delivery and then like they strapped a bomb to him and it was like live TV. Right. I don't know. Stress me out. Yeah. But also good to know. I kind of remember this episode and I kind of and I remember that I was kind of a a brat about um, people getting like free courses in college and I'm sitting on a very nice house in student loan debt, you know, and I was a little soapboxy, um, but that it's very interesting that there's not as many programs available for women as there are for men. Of course. But thank you so much for sitting in this. We do want to know all your stories. Like, I want to know just your day-to-day. Colby, my husband, was a corrections officer, and he was basically like, if you kept your head down and you were in for a long time, like, you didn't have to join a gang. It's the people who were all messy into stuff that were like, oh, they had to be in a gang to kind of survive. So I want to know your experience, especially from a women's prison, because I know that's got to be so different because he was at a men's state prison. Yeah. And I think you said you were in federal, too. So that there's totally different. So we want to know all the things. Yes. And thank you for being so open and transparent and everything. Yes. Thank you. And congratulations on your sobriety. Six years is a long time. Yes, it is. Okay, the next one. My aunt who has no filter. 
Hello again, you amazing ladies. I just listened to an episode where you were talking about Donna's wonderful mama and the fact that she had no filter. This inspired me to share a story about my Aunt Sharon, who also has no filter. In fact, we call her Aunt Frank because she's often very frank and honest, sometimes to a fault. She never means any harm, she just has no filter. Just a couple of examples. The week before my sister's wedding, my sister was trying on her wedding dress to show my aunt. Aunt Sharon looked at her and said, you better not put on any more weight. (gasps) My poor sister was horrified. Also, one Thanksgiving, we were all sitting around chatting and Aunt Sharon looks at her then 15-year-old granddaughter and says, for your Christmas present, why don't I buy you some product to remove that mustache? (gasps) Now to my favorite stories about her. They all happened around the time of my mom's passing. A little backstory. My mom died in 2004 of cancer. Fuck cancer. She was only 58. She was the most amazing mom and the most favorite aunt to all my cousins. I still miss her every day. We were all devastated when she was diagnosed and she died just six weeks after receiving the diagnosis. She was the second youngest of five siblings and the first to pass away. Okay, so picture it. We're at the hospital at my mom's bedside. In the room are me, my sister Carrie, my aunt Sharon, who's my mom's sister, Sharon's daughter Carol, and Carol's daughter Lindsay. My mom had just passed away. We had all been crying so hard and had just calmed down, taking those deep breaths and trying to come to terms with it. Aunt Sharon, who was standing up by my mom's head, takes a deep breath and says, It's just not fair. We all take a deep breath and get ready to start crying again, but then she finishes with, she got the good teeth. The rest of us bust out laughing. I'm sure the nursing staff thought we were all crazy. So we finally get up and get to moving around, packing up to leave, and the nursing staff brings us a trolley thing to put our bags on. My aunt looks at us all and says, we don't have to leave her here. We can take her with us. We all just stare at her. I mean, what do you say to that? She continues, I have my truck here. We could use this trolley thing. Finally, I say, why? What would we do with our body? We'd have to cross state lines to get back home. Is that even legal? Thank goodness she agreed, but she was really thinking we can just smuggle the body out of the hospital on a trolley thing? Finally, because my sisters and I had no experience with funerals, my Aunt Sharon and my cousin Carol came with us to the funeral home to make the arrangements. My mom had been cremated and wanted her urn to be buried in the same plot her father had been buried in. She chose the urn and the funeral home told us that they could come out and dig the hole for us as well. My Aunt Sharon asked how much they'll charge and it was like $100 or something. Aunt Sharon was horrified and looks at me and says, that's ridiculous. Don't pay that. I'll dig a hole. The day of the funeral, she took two of her grandsons and a cooler of lemonade and went out and dug the hole. Bless her heart. My cousin was pretty horrified at her mom's behavior, but I loved it. I think we all needed those Aunt Frank moments to lighten things up a bit during such a hard time. So those are my favorite Aunt Sharon stories. Thanks for keeping up your wonderful podcast. Much love from Risa. My dad's mom was like that, but her non-filter was she was an asshole. Which Aunt Sharon, being Aunt Frank, was a little assholey on the mustache, okay? I'm a mustachioed girl myself. Yeah, there were a couple of times where I was like, ooh. But I understand. But the stuff that she said, like when your mom passed and all of that, that is what you need. So, you know, like you really do need that like levity at that moment. And I love that. Like, it's just not fair. And you're all like, yeah. Then she follows up. She got the good teeth. Now that (laughs) is some shit your mama would say. Like, not necessarily about the, like, teeth, but just, 
what? Where, what do you, where did you get that from? Like, what are you talking about? Okay, the next one. This one is called, This Story is Literally About Ears. Hey, y'all, I've written you a couple of other times about my mom reading my mind and bringing haunted items into my house. Recently, someone wrote in a story about their fur baby coming to visit them and reminded me of this thought I had about my newest dog. Almost three years ago, I lost my little fur baby due to old age and arthritis, which we called arthritis to give ourselves a little laugh when we knew the end was coming. Dark humor. Sorry. He was so special to me. His name was Miller. He was a mutt. Truly, I never did a DNA test and I've never found another dog that looks like him. He was the first dog I ever owned on my own. He was actually another family member's dog at first. And when I met him, I was like, damn, I wish that was my dog. Long story short, I ended up rescuing him from a less than ideal situation. Then boom, he ended up being my dog. Once his old age and medical conditions caught up to him, I remember I was sitting on the floor just giving him all the love and in the midst of all of my ugly snot crying, I rubbed his soft little ears and told him I'm going to miss him, but I'm also going to miss his ears. Weird, I know. They're so soft and floppy and I loved playing with them whenever I was petting him. So fast forward about a year and a half later, my boyfriend finds this puppy on Facebook Marketplace and just had a gut feeling that this was a good fit for me. It was so random, but he felt like it was important. I saw some pictures of her that weren't the most clear, but I was like, yes, let's go get her. I'd also just had a good feeling about her for some reason. We went to go meet her and immediately she ran up to say hello, sniffed me and my boyfriend, and then just got in the car. She was immediately so comfortable and so, so sweet. I picked her up to hold her and I got so weird and sentimental because I'm not joking when I say she has these same ears as my old boy. Shape, texture, color, everything. It sounds so silly, but the fact that I felt such a strong connection to her before I even met her, we clicked immediately and she has the same exact ears as Miller, really makes me think he corresponded with whoever he had to correspond with in the doggy afterlife to make sure I have a little piece of him with me for a little while longer and make sure that my new fur baby would be the best fit for me. Crazy? Probably. But I've always felt like he curated her just for me somehow. Thank you ladies for the amazing podcast and stellar community you've created. Thank you for listening to me talk about dog ears for way too long. Keep up the good work. Also, I'm writing this on July 28, 2023 for those keeping track. Okay, completely understand the doggy ears thing because literally... My sister and I, when we send a picture of a dog or like, we'll be like, bet you love those ears, huh? Like the ears are a thing for us. Yeah. I loved your sister's old dog. Uh Uh-huh. He had like satellite ears. They were so big in comparison to his body. Yeah. I love those. But yeah, ears have so much personality to them. Yes. So totally get that. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like dogs kind of send you somebody when they're ready. Yeah. Well, when you're ready, I guess I should say. Because even with Jax, like, Colby even said he felt like he didn't know if I was going to be able to love Jax because I loved Bo so much and was so devastated when we lost Bo. And then we got Jax like a month later, but he just fell into our laps. It was like just how Bo did. I don't know. It was like meant to be. And so I was like, well, we can't pass him up. And, you know, I don't know. I think they just, it just happens the way it's supposed to happen. Yeah. Well, and then like we've told that story before about that Paw Patrol filter and it looked like Jax was there and Bo was laying there beside him. Yeah. So I really think, yeah, like Bo knew that you needed Jax. Even though you didn't know you needed Jax, Bo got you. Okay. The last one. My dad's Ambien stories. My dad used to take Ambien because he had shingles 
and it caused him to have post-therapic neuralgia for over a year, so he had trouble sleeping. He didn't do anything terribly crazy, but I wasn't warned he was on something that would have strange effects on him, like Ambien tends to do, so I just thought my dad had essentially lost it. I was your typical teen who stayed in her room and talked on the phone and listened to music all night, and my dad usually left me alone unless he was leaving or dinner was ready or going to bed. At this point, it was around 9 or so, and he said he was going to bed and hugged me goodnight. A while later, like maybe an hour or so, he knocks on the door and peeks in and says, did you call for me? But I told him I didn't. So he closed the door, went back to his room. A few minutes later, though, he knocks again. Did you call for me? No, I didn't. Are you hearing things? He said, I guess so. He closes the door, goes back to his room. Another few minutes later, he knocks on my door again. Did you need me? I thought I heard my doorknob rattle. I'm a mix of frustrated teen and also think he's picking on me. No, dad, I've been here the whole time and I wouldn't rattle your doorknob. I would just knock. Right, is all he responds with. Like a blank look on his face. Shakes his head and goes back to his room. So I'm freaked out thinking there's a ghost messing with my dad and I'm next. About five minutes later, he knocks again. This time, after I say come in, he opens the door wide and says, It's cold! Penguins could live in here! (laughs) Then he proceeds to imitate a penguin by waddling in and out of my doorway while lightly flapping his arms to the side. I'm cracking up and said, Dad, are you okay? He replied, Yeah, are you? Is that why you called me in here? Frustrated, I said, I didn't call you. Are you messing with me? Because I didn't call you the last three times either. The last three times is all he says, and he looks confused. We just stare at each other for a second, and then he gives me his side-eye suspicion look. You know, the ones parents give you when they don't believe you. Calls me a weirdo and just closes my door and goes back to his room. I am baffled, really, and thinking about getting up to be like, what the H-E double hockey sticks, dad? But I probably decided to keep playing bubble shooter instead. (laughs) The next day I asked him what was up and he didn't remember any of it. He laughed and he didn't believe me when I told him everything. After some back and forth and me insisting that I'm not joking, he told me he took something to help him sleep that night and that had to be it. He didn't think anything of it because he had taken it before without incident that we know of. Also, apparently my dad sleeps in just his tidy whities and that's not something I would have wanted to witness. (laughs) Thankfully that night, he either kept his pajamas on or put them on in his ambient haze. Creep it real ladies, J-Bob. I can so picture that because I can just feel how frustrated you would be and he's like none the wiser because he's in his ambient haze and just the frustration and oh, I could just feel it. I just picture like a happy drunk, like bebopping in the room and you're like, what the fuck do you want? And they're like, what are you talking about? Yes. Or they're like, you called me. And I'm like, bitch, you called me. (laughs) I think it's funny just because he said that like multiple times and then he came through and was like, it's so cold. Penguins can live in here. Like, what the fuck? Things I've never said. (laughs) Man, I love a good ambient story. Well, and we needed it after the ears story because that's so like heartwarming, but also sad because it makes you want to hug your fur baby tight. Well, thank y'all so much for sending in all these stories. Keep them coming. Oh, and I will say that Carrie must have scared y'all real bad because y'all been sending in some stories. So thank you for that. But like, keep them coming because I don't mean we're doing wonderful. 
But for real, thank y'all so much for sending them in. Keep them coming. Aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and don't get scared. scared.